0: Welcome to week number nine of the Ph.D. podcast. My name is Mitch. I will be taking you throughout the week that was in Berg Hockey. You can find us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. You can find us online at berghockey.com. Me, I'm at Ph.D. underscore Mitch. And a couple other things you might be able to find. You found us on the podcast, all of that PGH Hockey Digest, works on Twitter, works on Facebook, works on all that. So if you're looking for your Berg Hockey fix, come and join us. We had a very, very, very big week that was in Berg Hockey. So we've got a lot going on today to talk about it. We're going to be bringing in an old name that you guys love to hear from, especially if you know our Robert Morris coverage. Gary Heeman is returning to the podcast for the first time, I think, this season, if not in a regular season role. I haven't had him in yet this year. So he's going to talk a little bit about how his feelings are on the Robert Morris Colonials this season. We've got Matt Mamros is going to talk to Robert Morris Women this week. I threw a little bit of a curveball this week. So if you're looking for your AAA, your NAHL, USHL, anything like that, we're not going to have it this week. We're going to do a super show this next week because we have a very short week on everything else. So we're going to throw it all together. Mamros is going to bring you back within his Around the Region updates on all of that. Hopefully I'm going to get a little bit of input from a couple other things that I'm looking at right now. Uh, PIHL, we've got an interview from Mike Bagnato of the North Allegheny Tigers who are absolutely on a tear this season. We've had some really nice upsets in AAA and Class B in the PIHL. We'll talk about those as they continue on. We've named our Players and Goaltenders of the Week also coming up. So you want to listen in and check into all that. Um, With that being said, we're going to talk a little bit about the Robert Morris men with Gary Heeman, who is returning to the show. All right, we are joined now by our Robert Morris men's beat writer, Gary Heeman. You probably haven't seen him in a while, and neither have I. We were actually pretty surprised to see him this past weekend. Dirt track season's over, Gary. How has everything
1: been with you, sir? I've been fairly busy. Thank you very much, Mitch. Um, yeah, uh, the racing season's over. Put up uh, put up the whole season at Lumerville, completed it back in October. You were there. Great to have you there with uh-huh. us. Um, and, I, and just got back from the World of Outlaws, World Championships, um, the World Finals in Charlotte um the two weeks ago. So, you know, back at the home games again from here on out, looking forward to it. Saw a couple of games earlier on in the season at the Bentley series, been following along the whole the whole time and um I've had a few conversations with Derek throughout the week. So yeah, I've been uh, been keeping tack keeping keeping tabs on them right now. And they mm-hmm. um they have uh they've had a, a decent start and a decent run so far to start the season save for this weekend, but we're gonna get more into that later. All right. So let's uh
0: up until this point what have you seen from this team that you didn't expect to see, and what have you seen from this team that you didn't
1: you, you thought you would see? Didn't expect to see. All right, we'll start with that one first. I um, didn't expect to see near the penalty kill be as good as it's been. It's, well, it has been really great. I mean, they've really done a good job of um of clearing out the um. And the, the puck out of the zone, um, you know, getting in the um, the high traffic areas and the slots and clocking lanes, um, and not panicking when they've got the puck in their end. I mean, certainly that's the the one thing that is a trademark of a great penalty kill. We all know is that you know there's no that quicksand feeling where you know they're they're kind of drowning in it and they can't get it out and the legs get a bit weak and so on and so forth until they give up a goal. You know, they they're out there doing the job. I mean, you know, do it's it's workman's you know stuff. It's it's you know very detail-oriented, but it's not very flashy, but it's effective. And the job they've done this year so far in the penalty kill has, um, has really been great. Um, did I expect them to be at this point with a 7-5-1 record? It's about what I thought we were going to see at this point, right around a little bit above five hundred. Um, you know, you look at last year and you look at the um, the ending record and you're like, that's not the in- the indicator of what we knew was Robert Morris Colonial's hockey and, and the team last year. Um, they were better than that, you know, just, um, it, circumstances prevailed throughout, you know, the beginning and middle of the season, um, up until the last few weeks in the playoffs. Um, so this year, I think it's, it, it's about what we've, um, expected for the most part. So the penalty code has been great. Um, you know, what we thought was going to be good. Well, we thought the, you know, the amazing cable master was going to be great. And he's actually been a little bit better than, than I thought. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember we, you and I and Alan were um were up in the uh, in the media area watching him put on a performance. What a show that um that Ferris state game at the Three Rivers Classic a few years ago. And we we nicknamed him the Amazing Cable Master. I mean, he was just standing on his head. He was you know saving everything in sight. And you know you you never think you're gonna you know ever see a guy like that in your team's colors. You know, I mean, and it just turned out to be that way. I mean, one door you know opened to Rob Morris and. You know, in comes um, Justin Cablemaster from Ferris State. We're happy to have him here. And um, he's been fantastic um, Mm -hmm. so far. So, you know, I I think um, to this point in the season, the one thing we can say is that when everything's working together, they're one of the best teams in Atlanta hockey. Um, And when they're firing on all cylinders um, and the puck can get in the net, um, you know, with Justin Cablemaster in the net and – the Experience that they do have mm-hmm. as far as leadership goes, and you know, the, um, the offense that has not completely fired all the way there yet. I mean, this is one thing that we've got to watch, especially with the second half of the season. Um, there's some big guns that haven't completely fired yet, and you know, they're going mm-hmm. to at some point, and when they do, I mean, look out. Um, so yeah, the sky's on it for them for sure.
0: Okay, now you are speaking about these big guns we're expecting to see, you know, eventually like go off, but. How good has this younger supporting cast looked to you in your eye so far? I mean you didn't I I didn't expect these younger players you know having as many freshmen as they have in the lineup to just mm-hmm. come in and be able to be slotted in and do several roles like I know they were pretty big on players like Kramer coming in uh right. I believe cam Hay Bears come in and had a pretty solid couple games here the mm-hmm. defense especially that that's been one thing that I was concerned about coming into the season uh, they they seem like
1: they're just supposed to be here at this point early absolutely it's a it's a completely uh school assembled team for the most part here i mean you can tell that the back line um the one thing that we've been you know blessed to have throughout most of the program's history is a backline unit that can skate that can move that puck and move it well i mean you know, you're talking about kids that have very good feet and you know they're hard to play against and you know what it, it it's kind of it was a unique thing it was kind of a question mark coming into the season we've we watched you know three straight you know, senior classes with uh, you know one huge defensive stud in there that like nobody else in the conference came close to having. Rob Mann three years ago, Alex Boncay two years ago. Last year we graduated Eric Israel. Um, you know, those are two big defensemen that can be physically punishing, and then a, a an amazing you know high skilled puck moving defenseman in Eric Israel. looked at what was left of the colonist Where's the one guy that stands out head and shoulders above, you know, like, like the other three aforementioned players. And I'm looking around going, you know what? They just all play really well and play really sound defense. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's not one weak link as you look at them and you watch them play together in their units. Um, you know, you look at the growth of a player like Nolan Schaefer, who's done amazing things. Schaefer's been the one that stood
0: out to me a lot yes. this season, like from from you know last couple last year to this year. That's yes. insane. It's just a big jump.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that growth all of the sophomores that were freshmen last year, of course, and you know everybody else is progressing in place. I mean, I really think you know. This may be a, a complete defensive core that they can all move the puck. They all know their you know their roles and they're playing them and they're expanding their roles as they get better and more confident. And they've already got the penalty coming down pat. So combined with the forwards is doing what they do and it's pressuring the points and and that's uh, giving you know the decision makers a little bit less time to work with and making people a little bit less comfortable out there on the ice. It's um it's really been a good thing to to watch so far this year. So they're they're seven five and one right now. It's about what we thought would be in the top of the Atlantic hockey standings. I wasn't quite sure. Um they got a bad rap from, you know, a lot of early season rankings um and media and I you know, I did not partake in any of them this year thing. You know, it's very hard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get an accurate-looking preseason NCAA hockey poll in any conference.
0: Things move around um, so fast, and you don't have like, half the stuff. It's yes. like you don't know how people are going to meld, if you know new new teams, new players, and like you know, you look at those things, and then you look at how things actually started to, to fall through, and what teams are looking good this season. You can't really get a good judgment until around the Thanksgiving mark, like we are now. It's true. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, look at mm-hmm. look at last season. I mean, I mean, if you if you took last season as any sort of you know, barometer, you were if you're going to make out a poll or a, a preseason ranking, you're going to have Niagara in the top three. Well, Niagara win winless for how long? I mean, very uncommon, but yeah, that happened. I mean, they start with an over. I think it went over eight at maybe even nine at one point. They've won recently though, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I mean, you, you look at you know what you think you should have coming into the season and what you actually get are two different things. Um, most people had RMU lined up between six, seven and eight, you know, right in there. Um, I felt they weren't there. They're, they're in the top five somewhere. I wasn't quite sure they were, you know, conference leaders this early, but it's been Mm -hmm. a a nice thing to see. Got a bit of a humbling experience this weekend though. I'm going to talk more about that, um, you know Just as a right I, into I, it. <laughs> a young hot air force team well they were i wouldn't call them hot exactly because they'd actually they'd, they'd, they'd had a, a bunch of learning experiences themselves coming into the weekend um coming off a, a sweep i forget was at the hands up um and they got swept actually so you know i mean they're 12 freshmen on that air force team and you know what they look like they were born knowing how to you know, beat the Colonials at their own game this week because they were working hard. And that was one thing that I know Derek Sclude was not completely happy with. And I don't think the players and the leadership of that team were happy with either, was just the effort, especially on Friday night. Friday night was a really rough night to, to you know, to accomplish what you need to do to accomplish to, to beat an Air Force team. No matter how young they are, you know, they're going to be fast, you know, they're going to be um, very, very well drilled and decisive with the puck Um, you know they're going to be you know very disciplined Um, they're not going to take a whole bunch of undisciplined penalties they're going to play things the way they've been instructed to um having said that they were a step ahead for virtually 60 minutes on friday night i mean it, it The Colonials just had an anemic offense, and I I, I tallied it up at the end of the game, and I thought, well, it seemed like everything was a half-click off, and the passes just weren't connecting, and things were going off the the heels of sticks and so forth. They just weren't able to to really connect the dots to get good looks and good shots, Mm -hmm. and then you have to look at the reason for it. It wasn't because they were just having an off night. It's because they're having the issue forced by a speedy Air Force team that's a step ahead, so... Bottom line is, Air Force takes advantage of two opportunities, and they put them both in the back of the net, past Capo Master, who played amazing all weekend long. Um, We'll talk more about him later, but bottom line, they got the two goals the Colonials did not get, and they take a win 2-0 on Friday night.
0: Yeah, that's insane. We're talking about uh, Air Force, and I was just looking up there, you know, how they performed so far this season, and... You know they've been on a little bit of a tear on their own recently. If you look at it, I mean, mm-hmm. they've had won five straight. If you count, you know, the shootout win as a, I can't really tell the USCHO site's actually saying it, but you know that's five straight wins in conference for them. Swept Bentley, swept Robert Morris, uh, split Sacred Heart. Their only real loss was RIT. You know, RIT swept them, and right. You look in that, and no, this is an up and coming Air Force team, so it wasn't, you know, this was a test for that for Robert Morris at this point. So, oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. It's a test. Yeah. So. And what I think they learned out of that is that maybe this might be a, a blessing in disguise. I mean, you don't like to look at losses as blessings in disguise, but let's face facts. The Colonials were 7-1 sitting at the top of the Atlantic hockey standings. I won't say they needed a smackdown a little bit, but I will say maybe a bit of an adjustment so they can actually get a little bit hungrier. I'm not sure if that's a good word to mm-hmm. use right there, but you know what? Sometimes you need to get humbled a little bit to see what it takes to beat teams that are going to be very good at the end of the season. I think we all have to agree Air Force is always very good at the end. They're always a candidate to go to what was Rochester, now Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you you can just tell. They, they might not have the best record right now, but it's improving and you, you might as well expect them to be in the hunt for the atlantic hockey frozen in buffalo so i mean you got a good hard look at what it takes to mm-hmm. beat those types of teams for the, the youngsters the freshmen who haven't really got a chance to, to get into that they got to get you know two games worth of, of looks at it this weekend for sure saturday the colonials come back with a better effort um mitch i, I think they really um they skated harder um they got the good jump on an early mm-hmm. goal um from michael Coyne, his second of the season um, and, and they look to be in charge of that game and they're five you know five minutes or a little bit less actually a little bit um, I think there's right a little bit less than four minutes left or a little mm-hmm. over four minutes left when the Falcons strike with a shot that kind of just <laughs> hits a colonial player and right over your right you know past cable master ruining what should have been a, say, a shutout performance and a 40 plus save shutout performance too um, to tie the game. Heads to five-on-five, five, nothing doing for either team there, and then three-on-three three. for the first time in program history. We had three-on-three three bonus hockey, and it falls the Falcons away as the Air Force Falcons complete a sweep. It's weird calling it a sweep, Mitch, because I think they actually get five points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Colonials do get one point.
0: Yeah, you get the additional point. You get the tie point. Uh, both teams will right. get the tie point, point. and then if you go to the overtime— and you win in the overtime, you only get one point. So you get three for a regulation win, two right. for an overtime or shootout win, and one point if you get at least two the overtime.
1: So, so it's, not the, it's not the most damaging thing in the world. If that's no. a true sweep. That's a six-point gap. You're only looking at a four-point gap now. Yeah. Um. And with the new point formula, um, it's you know that one point does help because it's one point less Air Force gets and one point more that you get. Well. And that's a good. That that's that's you know kind of a little bit of a blessing. Not much for a silver lining. I think the silver lining they can take is they all know what they have to do now. It's just a case of scoring. And I think going forward, Mitch, the mission is going to be we've got to get back to either. Not missing nets, taking all the chances that we can, creating better looks, and being hungry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, got to be hungry to put that puck in the net. You know, I mean, don't be bashful. You know, do what you have to do to get it down there and get it in. Throw it at the net. It's never a bad shot as long as it hits the net. Um, you know, I, I think the. They're going to see to do that what they need to do, and that's going to be to outwork teams to 50-50 pucks and lose pucks wherever they find them and get creative and turn them into offense. If they can do that, they've got players that have the wheels that can turn that into open man or odd man rushes and scores. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just seeing the speed at which they have to do that now and the intensity. You know, that's the one thing that comes out of this weekend. The intensity with which they do things is going to have to be ramped up if they're going to want to be the best teams in this conference.
0: Well, we're gonna go to Erie this coming weekend and face Mercyhurst on a home and home. We'll start there on Friday and then come home on Saturday. Mercyhurst hasn't exactly had the illustrious season they're used to up there. No, um, they're you know they have four wins on the season and three of which had to come in the overtime period. So, and they're all by they're all four of them were by one goal. It's been rough. They're coming off of a sweep at the hands of Niagara. They beat they split with American International with an overtime win there and Bentley. Same thing. an, an overtime win against Bentley. So a split there. So it, it hasn't exactly been the best season for Mercyhurst in recent years, but if you take out that twelve to nothing loss yeah, to American International <laughs> Oh my it, god,
1: I saw that the other day. This, I I wasn't yeah, disbelieved.
0: This doesn't you know, it, it's you know, this is gonna be a hungry Mercyhurst team. So, especially in a rivalry game against Robert Morris, the home and home is always something that you see a lot of, a lot of physicality, a lot of hitting. Um, you know, home and home now. What are your takeaways coming up to a team like Mercyhurst after that I series? Think,
1: uh, I think it might be a good weekend to get a little bit of the uh, the offensive. Problems worked there. The scoring problems actually worked out. Um, there's some confidence that can be gained there. I'm not saying the Mercy Hurst is bad defensively. I've never said that. Rick Gottken is an oh, amazing no. coach. He's accomplished great things there. But mm-hmm. the thing about it is the styles typically that Mercy uses and the things that they like to do to be successful often lend themselves to going back and forth a little bit with the Colonials. <laughs> so we tend to get those weird games where, you know, last one with the puck wins a lot of the time with the Mercy Hurst Lakers. Um, that's, that's a tribute to both, both sides. Yeah. They play entertaining hockey, and the fans love it. Those are n- normally very good games to watch. If you're ever able to, to get to a Mercyhurst-RMU game, you're going to be entertained for sure. Um, what I think, wow, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a challenge to get six on this weekend. I think that if they bring the hunger and the intensity, six points is within their reach, though. Um, I think with, think about it like this, Mitch, from here on out, you're going to hear me say this a lot. With Justin Cablemaster in that, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you look at the way Nick Perkusic has progressed in his season this year. Um, He's really been, you know, a a leader among the forwards um, in the scoring department, but he, you know, plays a rough game, a tough game. He gets to the dirty areas where you need to go to get goals. He knows where to find them. Um, You look at Justin Adamo and Luke Lynch. Um, You know there's a lot more goals to come from either one of them. You know, Aiden Spalese can definitely – pick up that you know offensive torch a little bit more he's already shown glimpses that he's getting close you know to to really breaking out he's already scored this season um but i believe he's a player that can be an impact player of the colonials um i'm gonna throw the name at you and i'm gonna have to i'm doing this for practice actually so if you're listening i'm hoping i get it right Santiri hurt uh he's 26 inch heart, heart i, I pain think it's hard Hard yes. yeah, I
0: believe that. I, I <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yes. I haven't been around as often, so that kind of hurts me a little bit trying to figure it out. True. But I do believe that, that that is correct
1: for it. Yeah, I've, I've noticed him in some, you know, some of the film I've seen in the games I've seen so far. Um, I'm liking the wheels, I'm liking the skills, and I like the awareness so far of him. I think um, he could be one of the freshmen that really produces well over the second half of the season, as well as um, Roman Kramer too um so like i said like we said at the beginning the big guns have not all fired as well as you know you they're capable of and i think they're going to about they're about ready to start anytime now with a lot more production um they just gotta want it they just have to bring the hunger and i think we'll be back up to you know where they need to be i think if we're going to be looking back on the season later on i'm thinking that we're going to be looking at this past weekend as a blip on the radar um, this was a weekend that we got not on a peg, showing what we had to do to to win big, important, huge conference games um, against really good teams. And this is where we um we got it handed to us a little bit, and we were better for it. That's what I'm thinking comes out of this weekend, um, and it starts this coming weekend with Mercyhurst, bud. All
0: right, Gary, thank you for coming on. Good to talk with you always. Good to have you back um, we're going to have Gary Heeman on hopefully as weekly as possible based on his schedule. <laughs> He's a tough
1: man to follow, oh, Gary Heeman. Nah, not, so, not so tough. I'm going to be making myself more available as the season goes along. Great to be back, Mitch. Thanks so much. Thank and you, um, good hockey, man. All
0: right. Thanks again, Gary. That was Gary Heeman. I'm Brian Mitchell. This is the PhD Podcast. We will be right back. We always love to have Gary on. You can find him at G. Heeman, USCHO on Twitter. Another guy you can find on Twitter, but he's talking about jerseys more than likely every once in a while, is our Around the Region uh, correspondent and somebody, a big friend of the podcast to me, helps us out a ton. He's only going to talk Robert Morse women this week. We're going to talk J.C. Gebhardt's uh, record-setting performance right now. She's coming up on some milestones and possibility of a couple more so we're going to talk about that with him bringing in Matt Mamros and joining me this week is uh, once again it's not going to be around the region today he's just going to talk a little bit more about Robert Morris win, women's wins this past weekend at RPI it is my multitasker or all around jersey guy and now officially he's a statistician it is Matt Mamros, Matty, how you doing today, buddy?
2: Good. And uh, I didn't get my master's in data analytics for no reason. We put that thing to use on Friday, that's for
0: sure. Yeah, they stuck Matt on Stat Crew when I came in. I was making fun of him the entire time on the you Robert felt Morse like men's game.
2: Pictures career, but that was
0: fun. Yeah, they didn't give him the job that he wanted. He just got a job that they wanted to give him. So he was stuck with yeah. our buddy Tommy Pika, and um, you know that's that's harassment enough. For anybody, so all right. You oh, <laughs> no, I love Tommy. Fine. Don't it give. Was, I gotta give him a hard time. Enjoyable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we're I, talking. I, I got
2: critiqued on drawing too big. Uh, what else did I get critiqued on? Uh, I put the uh, I put the shots on the wrong side kind of the rink in, in one period, but uh, that was correct. So do no worries about that. be out there with a stat sheet from this weekend? That was my beautiful handwriting.
0: All right, all right. So further away up on the Hudson River. The Rob Morris Women's col- uh, Rob Colonial <laughs> Women's team faced RPI this season. Um, of course, we're going to just lead it right now. J.C. Gephardt hit the 100 assist mark on the season. Two points behind, two assists behind Brittany Howard's record, and the they just tie. the yeah. tie. You know, that's just a tie. Three points to lead, and with uh, Saint Lawrence coming next weekend, we're getting closer to those those numbers falling quicker than we thought possible.
2: More like going, but they're they're going to St. Lawrence. Another another long bus ride. Yeah. Which uh, there were there were many many speculation and rumors that uh, I would possibly making an appearance in uh, in Troy, New York this week, and It didn't happen. Yeah, that that's actually my free. fault.
0: I tried to talk you into it. I tried to go you into and it, and I, you.
2: Myself up too much for it, so.
0: Yeah, and then I backed out, and you wanted to still go, and I was laughing the entire time, but I felt terrible about it. No, I didn't try to do that. It was funny though. Um. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, but uh,
0: there,
2: there was go- going into Saturday evening, uh, post or before Luke comes, there mm-hmm. was there was a really good chance pre or post Luke comes, there was about a five percent chance. Jeez, can't, can't really do uh, can't really do sixteen hours of driving. Give or take on on one hour of sleep. Wow. well two two might have been doable. Two might have been doable, but uh, no. I mean, this, with this day so close to the record, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I got to be there on Friday. So that is that is what Matt is doing on Friday. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll pass you on the way to Mercyhurst. Yeah. So I might actually make it back to Mercyhurst in time for that game because I believe the women's game is 4 p.m.
0: Yeah, you won't make it back to Mercyhurst in time for that game. <laughs> You know how yeah, far away you know how play far play, away yeah. they're talking. You you'll probably pass through Mercy. The the Robert Morris men will probably make it back to the island before you get to get the Erie on that trip. That's a long trip, sir.
2: Yes, but uh, opposed to my previous driving feats, uh, not as long as you would think <laughs> for for me at least right now. If I was if you had ten years onto my life, I I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd, yeah, I'd be wanting to stay home. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, <laughs> no, good, good weekend up in uh, Georgia, New York. A 3-1 victory against RPI on Friday. And a 6-1 victory, including a four-goal period, I believe, today against RPI. Including uh, Jay getting her 100th career assist. Uh, Lexi Templeman continued her point streak, so she is well on her way to a 50-point season. And it's McCable crazy. Boyle set the after a scoring change, set the record for fastest career hat-trick in Robert Morris history and fastest career natural hat-trick and tied the record for most hat-tricks in the season.
0: It's insane. It's insane.
2: That's something that's a little interesting tidbit right there.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about all this, and it's, uh, you know, you had a goaltender split this weekend. You got to see both Kirk and DeSmet, and they both performed admirably in net this weekend. And it's just all starting to come together for the Robert Morris women, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, who knows with, uh, with, with how much longer you'll see it, because once they get into conference play, Coach Paul kind of settles on one, goes with it. But when they, you see these out-of-conference games, there's there's a chance you could see anything. So, I mean, we saw a lot of the fourth line in the third period, the third and fourth line. But the thing I was the most impressed about this weekend was how their middle six which has sometimes been questioned in the past, has really come together and just meshed well. The the middle six being uh, Koozie, Maggie, and Jell and Joe. It'll come to me. Yeah. I, lost, I lost my train. <laughs> but but the, the, the middle six that they have rolling right now is... Fantastic! It's it, this is probably one of the deepest Robert Morris women's teams we've seen since the the tournament year and uh, the year they lost to Mercyhurst in the CHA championship.
0: Yeah, it's definitely crazy, and it, it's just like you know that was that Boyle transfer has been something that has been really good for that meld. and You talked about it with people being on pace for their, you know, I haven't seen this many players on a point per game pace fast, you know, longer, you know. <laughs> This many, in a long time, Probably if ever. any, if ever, on this team, yeah. and it's like the team's just making itself better being there. And you look at the, you know, three juniors and two sophomore, a sophomore and uh, a senior on top of the list there in the top five points on the season. So, uh, it's yes,
2: and I mean, you got you got another player. You got JC in the the scoring title race for the nation. I mean, but Daryl Watts kind of like. Took a mega jump oh yeah I was just did, looking that so. up,
0: okay so, so it's, uh, I was doing
2: there but I mean anything's possible I was
0: doing some math and I was looking at that up and we're talking about you know the record you know the the pace that Jay is on and all this stuff that we're looking at she is on pace at two point zero seven points per game she's only seventeen points behind Brittany Howard right now for the points. Yes. Lead. That will put her And she's
2: already has 110 point weekend this year. So who says she can't have another one? Well, yeah,
0: she has St. Lawrence incredible. this coming weekend on the road. And then a Which home series. another
2: abysmal team. I mean, you they uh, they put the ECAC conference standards on the telecast mm-hmm. at multiple times today. I mean, RPI, win, Winless RPI is at the absolute mm-hmm. bottom. And then I believe either directly above them or or, or yeah, directly above them is Brown. Mm-hmm. And then directly above them is St. Lawrence. So we're we're playing. I mean, they're still ECAC teams, so they're very good.
0: Yes, but
2: we're talking about these are teams that are struggling to find an identity, mm-hmm. and you have a chance to go in and put a beating on them. So
0: you you, then you, have you have different, different yeah. Then you have Mercyhurst. Then you have Mercyhurst. And then you Would have.
2: You're to go in playing Mercyhurst on a little bit of a hot streak. You can't
3: falter
2: going into that week because that week is very important. Mm-hmm. As a, who controls the conference going into the first, the second half of the season? So
0: yeah. yeah, that's a huge team game right there. But then you have number two Wisconsin and the battle. What they're referring to now that I didn't even know about is the Battle at the Berg tournament, and that's Wisconsin so Colgate Northeast. It has an official name: Wisconsin Colgate Northeast. And Robert Morris. They will play Wisconsin at 1 p.m. on January 4th. At UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. And then on January 5th, the team that did the, had the exact same result that they had. Either at 2 p.m. or 5 p.m. at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. And the game that she is projected to break that that record? January 11th at at RIT. So if she, they have her on 8 games before she breaks the record at her current pace. Now... Give or take, you know. We're talking about that all the time. She's only 17 points behind. So we were talking right. about possibly before Christmas, maybe President's Day is a little more, you know, American a, President's it's a
2: little Day. It's because, you know, you got, the, you got the ups and downs. Plus, if you're in a situation where you're comfortably winning a game, you're going to balance your line loads. Uh-huh. So she's not going to get as much ice time as if they were either only up by one or possibly trailing a game so that's something else to take into account of it but the just the way that stuff is happening and J.C. had a beautiful goal to open both games
4: mm-hmm. this
2: weekend so just something that was incredible and the, her shorthanded goal was also insane I believe that ties her for the nation lead on shorthanded goals at mm-hmm. two so that's that's something also pretty cool.
0: She's on a tear right now, and at 85, what was it, I'm sorry, 79 goals for Howard, and she's on a pace for the goal record, too. She needs 15 to break, I'm, wait, I'm sorry. No, she needs 13 to break the, uh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm doing my math wrong today, I'm sorry, sir. 79, 64, 15 goals. 15 goals off of the, po- uh, the goal-scoring lead. I mean, it, it's just insanity. The, I'm thinking a couple years ago, you know, it's not, you know, she's going to get close. She's going to be, she she'll probably break it. I didn't think that we could be looking at a 200 point season here.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, a <laughs> 200 point player. In yes. general, which we've never had. I'm sorry, 200 before. point career. Yeah, you're right. So that's that's something that's pretty incredible, and uh, also just the way that they played this week. I don't have to mind if they weren't playing the. Opus Magnum or Magnum Opus of, of hockey mm-hmm. teams this weekend, but right. uh, still to go in there and do what you're supposed to do, that also shows that you're a good team. Because even the because nobody uh, the the elite teams and the good teams don't lay eggs mm-hmm. when they go to play bad They don't they don't do the the Pittsburgh special where they play down to their opponents, uh, which we've seen with the Steelers and uh, the Penguins in the past.
0: So no comment. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good yes, one. I like yes. that. No comment on that one. I
2: mean, but that—that that is, that, I mean, that's just what I've witnessed from, from my football and, mm-hmm. and hockey experiences. And, uh, I mean, even even the Otters back in the day, we're talking like the, the 15, the 16-year Otters did that as well, where they'd be playing like a, a garbage team like the uh, Owen Sound Attack or uh, Oshawa, and they would just play down to them and then it would just look like crappy. She is hand.
0: currently but, second uh, in short-handed goals. Uh, Elizabeth Shiguer of Clarkson has three. Gefford and Orad uh, uh, has two, along with of uh, and Comfer. also will have two, so she's in a four-way tie for second in that category. And on the power play... Which, which
2: is pretty impressive for Comfer yeah. because, I mean, that's a, that's a Team USA national member that has only played we're talking two mm-hmm. maybe i think this is her third weekend of playing due to a uh, some sort of injury mm-hmm. so i mean that's that's impressive in itself for for that player to to go ahead and do mm-hmm. that just because of how long she was out
0: boils in a tie for looks like ninth for in goals scored. That goal scored that's no i'm sport. sorry in seventh a tie for seventh in goal scored in the nation and, and I believe Emily
2: Curlett's Corlett still leading the league, leading
0: in, power the league power in power play goals. Yes, she is by three. I mean, she she has eight, right. and they're the next closest four players have five apiece. And we're going to yes, see uh, one of them yeah, in a couple weeks, so in Mercyhurst. so
2: Yes, which Mercyhurst, uh, from what I understand from my buddy Eric, friend, good friend of the show, uh, mm-hmm. he, he's also the Zamboni driver up in Mercyhurst. But uh, from what he's saying is their power play for their women's team is very – Front loaded, very mm-hmm. top power play unit loaded. So, it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing, you know, but it just means you don't put two reliable ones out there.
0: All right, we're gonna get there. We're gonna have get through St. Lawrence this weekend, and then we're gonna talk a little bit more. We're gonna talk probably next weekend. You're gonna bring back. You're gonna be back next week. You're gonna bring us on our updates for everything else. Um, figured next week we have a better chance of being able to have the time to do it with the high schools being down for a week. And you know, being having very minimal games this week, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about everything else that's going on on next week's podcast. So Matt will be back I have with a three you.
2: Three day work week, so I will be. I have a three day, day work week, sir. Quite a few weeks or a, quite a few rinks this this week. Uh, I'm doing Penguins Monday and Wednesday. Okay. Erie on Thursday for the Otters. Okay. Friday I'll be in New York, and then Saturday I'll be at the Island for uh, Robert Morris Men's versus Mercyhurst.
0: Okay. Well, that's great. That is... Well,
2: provided I don't get snowed in. We're going we're gonna to bank on that one.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that is Matt I Mamros. I am Brian Mitchell. We will be back on the PhD podcast. Always good to have Matt on and joining us whenever he has some good information for us. We always get a little bit carried away when we're talking about one of our favorite coverages, which is the Robert Morris women. So, I mean my show, right? I don't know. I can talk about whatever I want, I guess, at this point. uh, Alan's going to yell at me whether I do it or not. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to bring Ed Major in. He's going to talk the A-C-H-A now. He's going to give you his weekly update from the collegiate hockey ranks on the club level. Ed Major, take it away.
3: Hey there, berg hockey fans. Welcome back to another edition of Major Focus. I am Ed Major. You can find me on Twitter at Ed Major Photo. And I am here with your ACHA recap for the weekend that was. Let's just dive right on right on in. We had a really exciting weekend set of games here. You had four. Great conference matchups over the weekend. On Friday, on Friday night, we started with the IUP Hawks hosting the Pitt Panthers, simultaneously with the Duquesne Dukes hosting the Robert Morris Colonials. Pitt came out with the win over IUP six to two. Not really much as much of a, not really much of a surprise there. Duquesne fell to Robert Morris by a score of 5-1. to one. So you had Pitt and Robert Morris each winning Friday night, so they improved to a record of, uh, I, I believe it's 5-1 and one in conference season after that first set of games on Friday night. And then Saturday, you had all four of those teams back in action, but they switched it up a little bit. Instead of Pitt IUP and Robert Morris Duquesne, you had Robert Morris IUP, and then of course the city game Pitt and Duquesne. Both of those games were Saturday night at 9:30 p.m. You had Robert Morris coming away with the close three to two victory over the IUP Hawks, so they moved to a record of six and one in conference play, and then the Pitt Panthers come away with the resounding four nothing victory. Over the Duquesne Dukes. That sends them to a 6-1 and one conference record as well. So the Panthers and the Colonials fighting for that top seed in the conference. With those wins. Duquesne uh, uh, still on a little bit of a struggle. They've, they've now lost 8 in a row. Pitt is on a 9-game win streak. Yes, Pitt is on a nine-game nine-game win streak with that four nothing win over Duquesne. They still have one more game to go before the winter break. They will play John Carroll next Friday, December sixth, or uh, sorry, two weeks from now. Thanksgiving break is next weekend for the schools. So Pitt will host John Carroll at Alpha Ice Complex at nine twenty p.m. on December sixth. Then they'll go into their holiday break. Duquesne will travel out to Lawrence Tech on December sixth and seventh at eight fifteen and seven p.m. respectively before they go on their break. So they will try to salvage what has been a difficult part or a difficult early part of this season for the Dukes. Back to the scores that were, you had West Virginia. Was the only other team in action besides these conference games? They are actually at a three-game tournament out at Villanova. They fell on Friday night to Cornell six to three. I'm not quite sure what the score for the Saturday night game was, and of course they will play. Uh, they will play Villanova on Saturday night. I'm not. I'm unsure of that score at the moment, and they will play Niagara in the third game of that tournament on Sunday, November twenty fourth. At 11.30 a.m. So I'm not quite sure of those scores at the moment. But I will be sure to update that on Twitter. So follow along with me at Ed Major Photo, And you can see those updates as I get them. Moving along to the weekend that will be. We're jumping ahead two weekends. Next weekend, obviously, is the Thanksgiving holiday. So no ACHA action on the 29th and 30th of November. But that first weekend of December, we have a lot of good action coming your way. Only one, uh, only really one local game is Pitt. Like I said, Pitt will play John Carroll, the host, the Blue Streaks at Alpha Ice Complex at 9.20. But you have Robert Morris traveling out to Delaware on Friday night and Saturday. That's a 6.15 p.m. and a 5.25 p.m. game at, uh, I believe it's Fred Rust Arena. Slippery Rock is going down to play the Liberty Flames on the 6th and 7th. They have a weekend set with them. Those games are each at 7 p.m. at LaHaye Ice Center. West Virginia will travel out to IUP. That's at s and Bank Arena on Friday night, December 6th at 8.05 p.m. And they will play. They will. They will also have a weekend series against at Buffalo on the on Saturday the seventh and Sunday the eighth. those games are at two thirty p.m. As I said, Duquesne will travel out to Lawrence Tech for a weekend series, and uh, and I believe actually that is your weekend that will be for the December sixth, seventh, and eighth weekend. So. You guys won't be hearing from me for a couple weeks, so I hope you all have a great holiday, a great Thanksgiving. Again, you can find me on Twitter, at EdMajorPhoto. Uh, I'll be sure to... I'm going to try to keep myself occupied with something going on, with something for next weekend with no ACHA hockey going on. So, uh... Pay, pay attention. Maybe you'll see something interesting. Maybe not. Who knows? But uh, I'll send it off back to Mitch for the rest of your Berg Hockey updates.
0: A lot of those names that you just heard are players that came from the PIHL. And it's no surprise the talent has been being pumped out for a while now. And in the future, you might be hearing about a couple of those in the ACHA level because uh, the guys who want to stay closer, maybe have a little bit of fun. Uh, names like Tonkovich, who, you know, took off and came back around. And, you know, it, it the Cannon-McMillan product, of course. And in 2015, I believe he was in the state final with Cannon-McMillan. I was there at the Pagola Ice Arena for that one. So, I, you know, I've been around, and I've known a couple things going on. It's a name that stuck out with me for years. The Tonk, as we continue to call him, and they call him, I believe, everywhere he's been. So... Yeah, we're moving along. We're going to go into the current crop of PIHLers, and we're going to start. We're going to start in single A this week. Fox Chapel defeated Chartiers Valley 4-3 to at Mount Levin and Ice on Monday. North Hills over Westmont Hilltop at the Island 3 nothing. Bishop McCord over North Catholic 4-1 at First Summit Arena at the Cambria County War Memorial in Johnstown. Wheeling Park defeating Wheeling Catholic 15-3 at West Banco Arena. Ed Major had coverage of that game. Freeport over Beaver, 7-4 at Brady's Run. Thomas Jefferson, 10. Greensburg-Salem, 5 at Ice Castle. And in the final game of the week, South Park defeated Blackhawk, 3-0 at Brady's Run. Standings coming out of the week look like this in the Northwest. Kenworth Catholic with the loss Falls to 6-1 with 12 points on the season, leading Blackhawk at 3-4 with a shootout loss at 7 points. And at playoff spot, Beaver gets 2 points, 1-7 on the season, puts them in 3rd place in Swickley Academy, 0-8 to start the year. Thomas Jefferson keeping the pace on the Southwest at 8-1 with 16 points. South Park, 2nd spot in the division, with North Hills and Chartier's Valley starting to fade away, the Eagles have 14 points, two behind the Jaguars. North Hills and Chartier's Valley, six points apiece, starting to open up a little bit of space for those final that final spot. So Thomas Jefferson and South Park look like they're starting to get a little bit of separation on the remaining teams in their division with that eight-point lead. Indiana leads the Northeast 11 points, 5-3-0-1 over Kiske, who's 4-2 right now with 8 points. Fox Chapel moves into third place with a 7-point, 3-2-0-1 record. Freeport at 2-5 with 4 points sits in the fourth spot there. Norwin still leading the Southeast, but barely. Bishop McCourt making a little bit of run at them. 6-1 6-1 and one are the Knights with 12 points. Bishop McCourt at 5-1-0-1. They have 11 points on the season. Greensburg-Salem at 4-2-0-1. Just behind them, two points out of McCourt's playoff spot with nine points. Westmont Hilltop at five points rounds out the southeast. And in the Wheeling division, Wheeling Park with their victory over Wheeling Catholic now has a 3-3-0-1 record. Good for seven points with Wheelie Catholic at 0-4 to start the season. Statistically speaking, Will O'Brien leading the way from Thomas Jefferson. 16 goals, 12 assists, 28 points. addis for Bishop McCourt, 16 goals, 9 assists, 25 points. Tied with Cole McNair, who has 15 goals and 10 assists. Five of which are on the power play. It looks like it leads the classification. Greensburg-Salem native Hunter Fairman of TJ has ten goals, twelve assists. That's good for fourth place. Uh Jacob Daly and Mason Pivarnik are tied for fifth with twenty one points apiece. Pivarnik comes in with nine goals, twelve assists. Daly, seven goals, fourteen assists. On to the Netminders leading the way in the South e- sorry, in the single A. Shane Peremba of South Park, four hundred and sixty three minutes in has a 7 and 2 record with a 954 save percentage. Logan Marnik of Chartier's Valley 2 and 2 has that 935 save percentage. Eric Petekov of Kiski 4 and 2 a 928 save percentage. Chris McFadden is in fourth place at 357 minutes in played on the season, 6 and 1 with a 925, fourth place. Ethan Isley of North Hills at a 9.25 save percentage and a three and one record. Isley, of course, is misassociated on the website with the uh, actual numbers that he was supposed to be playing. He he is credited with a game against Thomas Jefferson that he did not play in. Sorry, that he played in that he is not credited for. I apologize. I did double check everything, and the fact that I was there to see it. I went ahead and fixed the numbers for them, so he's three and one on the season with a 918 save percentage. And that'll put him in fifth place in the single A for netminders. Move from one to another. It is Eddie Pazo of the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars taking this week's Player of the Week. The 10-5 victory for Thomas Jefferson. He had five goals and a sent an assist in a 10-5 victory. So Pazo, of course player of the week power play goal and a shorthanded goal on the day for the Jaguars honorable mention a shout out to Reed Troutman of Fox Chapel for that overtime goal against Chartiers Valley on Monday at Mount Lebanon ice and at 4-3 victory in overtime looks like Ethan Isley with a shutout will be our goaltender of the week North Hills Netminder had stopped 22 of 22 for the shutout over Westmont Hilltop, and I believe that was at home on Monday at the RMU Island Sports Center. Congratulations to Ethan Isley. Gonna move into double A now. Baldwin keeps rolling, defeating Mars 10 to 5 at the Barrel Ice Complex on the road. Greater Latrobe, six. Meadville, nothing. Latrobe just keeps continuing to build on that defensive minded offensive output style that they've been known for for years. Another shutout for the Wildcats. Armstrong over Moon, seven two at Barrel. Shaler, six. South Fayette, three at Mount Lebanon. Montour, four. West A, five at the Island. Then we had Quaker Valley 4, Pentrafford 3 at center ice. South Fayette, once again, another shutout by Greater Latrobe. The South Fayette Lions are the culprit this time. 8 0, the final for the 8 0 Greater Latrobe Wildcats at this point. Franklin Regional 7, Armstrong 4 at Belmont. Two straight shutouts at home for Greater Latrobe. Quaker Valley now leading the way in the Northwest with a 4-3 record with 8 points. Mars falls to 2-4, tied with Meadville at the same rank with 4 points apiece. Moon with 1 overtime loss and 7 losses on the season. 1 point in 4th place in the Southwest. Baldwin 6-0, 12 points for the Fighting Highlanders. But West Allegheny, 2 more games played with 2 losses on top of them. Tied with Baldwin for first. Six and two are the Indians. Montour, five and three, right on the toes of West A and Baldwin at South Fayette, six points, starting the fall back of the three big teams. Three and six are the Lions in the Southwest. In the Northeast. Armstrong catches up to Plum. Eight points apiece for both of them, but both Hampton and Shaler are starting to fall back. 1-6 are the Talbots. Shaler is 1-7 with two points. Now, Plum and Armstrong, one thing to note there. Plum is 4-2. and two. Armstrong has played four more games than the Mustangs. They're at 4-6 and six on the season. So that is an interesting factoid for the Mustangs. The one side of this, though, they're up six points on Hampton and Shaler. So... Hampton and Shaler have each played 7-8 and eight respectively, so the points still work out in favor of the Riverhawks right now. We're going to get close into postseason chasing here because Armstrong has played 10 games so far. They're about halfway through their season, if not past the halfway point, are the Riverhawks. In the southeast, Latrobe, a perfect 8-0, 16 points They've only given up five goals on the season, have the Wildcats. 8-0, five goals on the season is how many they've given up. Franklin Regional at 5-1 and one is in second place. Hempfield right on their tail with 4-3 and three record, eight points for the Spartans and the Pentrafford Warriors, 3-3 three and three on the season, six points. So it's getting close in a lot of the divisional races here so far. Statistically speaking, Cole Ferry leads the way. 14 goals, 12 assists with 26 points on the year. Michael Felsing of Montour, 10 goals, 15 assists, 25 points tied with Alex Walker of Greater Latrobe, 9 goals, 16 assists. Dusty Gargash still sitting in 4th place with 7 goals, 11 assists for 18 points tied with Nick Bandai of West Allegheny. 18 points, 4 goals, 14 assists for the defender. This week, goaltenders need at least 3 games that qualify for the standings here. And no surprise, the top 2 slots in the AA goaltending statistical categories go to goaltenders from Greater Latrobe. Vinny Amatucci and Greg Irons. 204 minutes apiece, sparkling 4-0 records apiece. Vinny Amatucci. A 975 save percentage. Greg Irons. A 949 save percentage. Greater Latrobe. Inching closer and closer to greatness this year. They've been very close the last couple seasons. I don't know who's going to be able to stop that streak right now. Tanner Cedric of Baldwin Whitehall. The Fighting Highlanders. 238 minutes played 4 0 record himself with a 935 save percentage. Josh Ferry of West Allegheny. Six and two with the nine twenty-seven. Colin Rice of Quaker Valley works himself back into the standings. Three fifty-four and four and, I'm sorry, a four and three record for Rice. To the surprise of nobody, our players of the week and goaltenders of the week are going to come from the same team. Of course, this week we are talking Cole Ferry. The senior has five goals and two assists in the two games this week for Greater Latrobe, who is absolutely on a tear right now, leading the double A in total goals for and goals against in total. Co-goaltenders of the week this week, Vinny Amatucci and Greg Irons of Greater Latrobe. I'm sorry, I can't really, you know, do anything otherwise. The two as a tandem have been phenomenal this season. Like I said, Greater Latrobe, eight games in, have only given up five goals on the year. They are just suffocating every team out there and it's starting to show on the standings and in the score sheet that it is a real deal going on at Kirk Nevin Arena congratulations to Vinny and Greg we're moving along to A now we're going to talk with North Allegheny head coach Mike Bagnato after the segment is over let me get the standings up here sorry the, the, the games up here not the standings We're not there yet. we got to get to the games first. Monday night, North Allegheny defeated Upper St. Clair 5-4 at the Ice Castle Arena. North Allegheny finishing their season against Upper St. Clair already, sweeping the the Panthers. Mount Lebanon defeating Butler at Frozen Pond 5-3. Cathedral prep over Seneca Valley 3-0 at Mercyhurst Ice. Big upset there. First loss of the season for the Raiders. Pine Richland over Cathedral Prep at Alpha on Thursday, five to two in that makeup game. They had a nice little touching moment before the game for both squads. And North Allegheny over Peters Township. You heard that one on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest Facebook Live with me, with uh, Matt Geica and myself on the call. And that was a six to four victory for the Tigers over the Indians. Taking a look at the standings. North Allegheny leading the way 8-0 with an, a shootout loss. That won the Butler. 17 points for the Tigers. Just absolutely running away with things right now. But they still haven't played Seneca Valley or Pine Richland, who chased them in the standings. Seneca Valley 6-1 and one on the season, 12 points. Big matchup on Monday. Between those two squads at Barrel Ice Complex, Pine Richland and Cathedral Prep tied with 9 points for 3rd, place four and one are the rams with an overtime loss four and four are the cathedral prep ramblers with an overtime loss two with three games in hand on north allegheny cathedral prep and two and a game in hand on seneca valley you got to pay attention to those pine richland rams now who got a slow start to the season after a couple reschedules Upper St. Clair, seven, point, seven games in, four and three, tied three ways. with Cannon-McMillan, Peters Township, that is for for fifth place. Fifth, sixth, and seventh encompass there. The Panthers, four and three. Cannon-McMillan, four and three. Peters Township, four and four. Mount Lebanon sitting in the eighth slot right now. Three, five, oh, and one are the Blue Devils' seven points on the in the playoffs. And the three teams... Remain on the outside. Bethel Park, Central Catholic and Butler, four points apiece. The Blackhawks two and five. Central Catholic two and six. And Butler two and seven on the season. After a solid week for North Allegheny, it's Tyler Lamarck and Connor Chee leading the way. Lamarck, five goals, fourteen assists, and nineteen points for the Tigers. Connor Chee in second, seven goals, nine assists, sixteen points. Josh Rip sitting in third now. Ten goals, five assists, and fifteen points. Two power play goals on the season for Rip. Mark Lehman ties with Rip from Peters Township. Nine goals, six assists, fifteen points. Colton Shiri of Upper St. Clair sitting in fifth. 12 points, 7 goals, 5 assists on the year. As I said on the broadcast on Thursday night, it was a Something in the water up at Barrel because a pair of Barrel Ice Complex-based goaltenders who will probably face off on Monday night lead the way in our statistical category with a 9.35 save percentage, a 5-0 record. Tyler Boyles of North Allegheny and Robbie Haliyama of Seneca Valley lead the way. Haliama with a 4-1 record on the season, 159 goals against average. Seth Faulkner of Cathedral Prep is in third with a 933 Danny Stauffer of Pine Richland four one and one on the season a 920 save percentage puts him in fourth and Mario Iafrate with a three and three record on the season a 905 save percentage rounds him out Cole Hoffman just outside of qualifying he has a 926 save percentage 130 minutes in on the week. Heading up the Erie for our goaltender of the week. It is Seth Faulkner of Cathedral Prep. 35 of 35 in that shutout of Seneca Valley. Nice little uh, upset there up at the Mercyhurst Ice Center on Tuesday. 35 of 35, our goaltender of the week. Had to play pick your Tyler this week on the for the player of the week from North Allegheny. It was either Tyler Putnam or Tyler Lamarck. Tyler Putnam will take it. The senior had five goals and an assist in the two wins over Upper St. Clair and Peters Township, the hat trick against Peters. And he looked strong and very, very, very deceptive on his shot and was able to put up some solid numbers the last couple weeks. So Tyler Putnam taking the Player of the Week award. We're going to stay at Barrel Ice Complex and speak with Mike Bagnato after his win over Peters Township on Thursday night.
4: Well, I, I think we're doing a lot. I, I, first off, I think the effort of all the boys has been really, really good. I mean, I mean if you've watched us, we've had three good, tough games in a row now. You know, with uh, Bethel and Upper Saint Clair, they're a good team, and now Peters. And we our effort. I mean, our effort is there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to make mistakes. Uh, we still have some. And we have some young guys. But they're they're making a lot of smart decisions, and they're skating very hard, and they're they're listening. So they're absorbing a lot of what we're telling them. So we have – I was telling the the guys and we were talking a couple games ago as a group that the hardest hardest thing for us is that we have to keep improving. The rest of the league is going to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. We have to get better. And I really think from – Game four to game to, to this game to game nine now. Mm-hmm. I mean we we have improved. They're 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 grasping a lot of what we're telling them. They're doing a lot of what we're doing, and they're and they're playing good hockey. Hey, when we spoke at St. Margaret tournament, we were discussing you know the
0: rollover, the changeover this season. We were talking about losing that defensive side, and, you know goaltending question mark with the all the graduating. And it seems this season so far, the defense and the goaltending has been your prime here. Your, yeah. your scoring has been there. You have, I think, I believe seven players with at least three goals on the season. But that defense and that goaltending, how how exactly, has that been for you? You're exactly
4: your... right. I, the, 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 the defense, in particular, how young they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, have really, really come come around. And, and we honestly didn't know. I mean, we knew that that would be something we would have to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, to their credit, they've been in practice. We've been working really hard. I mean, I, that group, we've got a couple sophomores and, and a freshman, right? And our freshman's running our power play. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're just, they're really, they're adapting probably quicker than we thought. And the goaltending has been, you know, our goaltenders both have played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyler, we had a couple breakdowns in the third period there, mm-hmm. but he made some really, really good saves early in the game for us. So, you know, um, we can't, we look like we're right in the groove, right? Yeah. I mean, there's such a long way to go. Right. And there are a lot of good teams. The one thing I know from playing all these teams yeah. and being in this division is, you know, when the playoffs come, you know, you just got to hope that, that your team's getting the bounces, playing well and getting good goaltending. But... You want to build up to that, and we, we just have to keep doing what we're doing.
0: And the big thing that I noticed with your schedule coming up, you, now you've finished up your, your Peter's part of the schedule. You've got uh, you finished with Upper for St. Clair. You swept both of them. But now you look, you still have two games against Pine Ridge, and you have two games against mm-hmm. Seneca Valley. I how hard do you think that's coming
4: up for you guys? Uh, you know, I think that both those teams have a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they've always been good matchups for us. Mm-hmm. For, for, I mean, good games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I'm really looking forward to the Seneca game. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and it's a good way. It'll be the halfway point of the season. It'll be right before Thanksgiving. They'll probably be, you know, I'm glad that they scheduled that game when it was. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> there will be a good crowd from both teams. And mm-hmm. we'll get a lot of alumni. Right. And a lot of our, you know, you know, because we're so close, our kids know each other. Mm-hmm. And they have a pretty good relationship. It's not like one of, it's not like something we play some of the, some of the other competition around the league. <laughs> uh, it, 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 they're always really fun skating games, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward very much to Monday. Okay, thanks, man.
0: We're heading to the open division now, Class B, starting on Monday. Carrick over Morgantown at Ice Castle Arena. Three, nothing was the score there. In what looks to possibly be a preview of sorry, the first preview of what could be the Penguins Cup final, the Class B championship, is Ringold and Nishannick facing off at Ross Draver Ice Garden seven to five. Ringold defeated Nishannick, the Rams over the Lancers. Burl defeating Wilmington seven nine to five at Pittsburgh Ice Arena. Connellsville over Central Valley three-nothing at the Ice Mine on Thursday. And Thursday. In a shootout, Burl over Morgantown, five to four. We don't have any details from that game because frankly there were no statistics on the site yet, so we're looking to see how that one played out. Noshanik leading the way in class B, five and one on the season, ten points for the Lancers, Avonworth and Burl tied for second with six points apiece. Three and one are the Antelope. Burl at three and four on the season. Tied for fourth, Central Valley and Wilmington, the Warriors 2-3 on the season, and Wilmington 2-4 on the year. McDowell still 0-6, looking for their first win of the season. Ringgold, the only undefeated in Class B after facing the Shanick, 7-0 on the season. 14 points for the Rams. Carrick, the Cougars, 6-1 on the season, 12 points right behind those Rams. Connellsville, 5-4, slowly getting into a nice spot in the playoffs. 10 points are the Falcons. Elizabeth Forward, that last playoff spot in the South, 7 points, 3-2-0-1, the only team with an overtime loss on the year. Bishop Canavan, right behind them at 3-6, 6 points. 6 points. Morgantown two and three. I'm sorry, two and four, two, three zero oh, and one. They don't update the standing, so I have to do it. Five points for the Mohawks and Trinity two and six on the season. Four points sitting in that last spot in the South. Without a scoring update from that Burl and uh, Morgantown game, I really can't give you guys the statistics accurately. I can tell you. The top three aren't affected by it for the most part, so we'll go with that because I don't know who scored what in the final couple spots, so that's unfair to everybody. So the top three look like this. Michael Vasco from Elizabeth Forward, 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points. Nathan Todd and Brad Budos from Ringgold, 12, 12 goals, 9 assists for 21 points for Todd and Budos. Nine goals, eleven assists for twenty points from Ringgold. I have a couple Wilmington, and another Ringgold sitting at a bunch of couple couple guys from Ringgold sitting below them. Unofficially, I'll say in fourth place Jeffrey Boker from Wilmington, seven goals, ten assists for seventeen points, and two Ringgold players, Justin Day and Evan Eberline, sixteen points apiece. Day three goals, thirteen assists, and Eberline eight goals, eight assists. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I don't have anything from Burl or the actual update from from uh, Morgantown. Burl has Jonas Sopko sitting with 12 points, 6 goals, 6 assists, a little bit further down the list. He is in striking distance if he did get enough points to have a possibility of being in the, in the talk here, so that was unfair to him. So once we actually get some updates on what happened in that game up on the site, we'll let you know. Once again, goaltenders needed to play. 150 minutes to qualify for the standings, which leads Riley Meskowski as your leader from the Shanick. Six games, played 5-1, and one, is the record 937 save percentage. Sean Dugan is in second place. He has a 929 save percentage and a 6-1 and one record on the year. I can't give you too much because Blake Phillips probably started that game in Morgantown right now. He's sitting in third. With a 204, so there's a 204 minutes, he's a 909 save percentage. Uh, let's see, Alex Mitchell from McConnellsville, five and four on the season, 458 minutes in on the campaign, 880 save percentage, and John Chop, rounding out the top five that are qualified, two and three on the season, an 871 save percentage for the senior from Trinity. Sean Dugan is our goaltender of the week from Carrick. Stop 24 of 24 in a victory over Morgantown. I believe that was on Monday at the Ice Castle Arena. The senior has a very had a very solid season so far. 6-1, and one. he stopped 144 of 155 that he's seen with two shutouts on the year and a 929 save percentage. It was so nice, I'm going to do it twice. Here are co-players of the week, Brad Budos and Zach Kalinowski of Ringgold. Those two combined for a comeback victory over the Neshanic Lancers. That game was 5-4 Nishanik, about five minutes into the third period, and Budos would score... On an assist from Kalinowski on a power play, Hunter Hodgson would take a lead on a Budos assist with Clayton Kolike on top of that, and Budos from Kalinowski would be your 7th goal of the day to put it away at 13-26, so Budos and Kalinowski are co-players of the week on the PHD Podcast. We are going to end it here today. It's been a long show already. We're running a little bit longer than I want. I don't really want to go over an hour, but, you know, like I said earlier, my show, my rules, more hockey to talk about than what I imagine. And next week we're going to catch you up on your AAA standings and doing all those, you know, the updates on the teams and how they're doing. The Penguins Elite Girls have their Thanksgiving tournament at home, so we're going to be able to... Talk a little bit about the 16s, and possibly talk to see if some of the 19s are around to discuss uh, how their seasons are going. We're going to be uh, talking with some of the teams uh, that are going out. I'm going to Robert Morris in Erie when they play Mercyhurst this upcoming weekend, and then I will be back at home for the Robert Morris versus Mercy Mercyhurst home game on Saturday. So it's going to be an interesting week coming up, plus our regular PIHL coverage. I'm debating whether or not I can make it out tomorrow night on Monday night or if I'm going to be out on Tuesday. Definitely for the game against uh, between Peters Township and Cannon McMillan, I'll be calling with Matt Geica on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest Facebook page. Um, so if you want to pay attention to all that, we'll have it every week. Once again, I would like to thank Gary Heeman, Ed Major, and Matt Mamros for coming on, Mike Bagnato for talking to us about North Allegheny's season thus far. For all of us, From Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, my name is Brian Mitchell. Take care, guys. I'll see you in the rink.